Hello and welcome to Three Friends and a Book. I am Holly and I'm joined today by two of my very good friends. First up we have Janine. Hey. <laughs> and we have Caroline. What's up? We're trying a new introduction <laughs> today. That was lovely. That was lovely. Good job. Um, all right, so we're back. We're back, Three Friends in a Book. I know our last podcast, we <laughs> talked a little bit about trying something new. We were going to read some essays, and we were going to explore other, what do we call them? Other media? Other media. <laughs> consume. <laughs> we're going to consume other media. And to be honest, y'all, we tried. We actually recorded. We did try. We recorded a podcast about maps in January. About maps. Yeah, that was an interesting conversation, but... Um, we actually did learn a few things. Why did we decide? We just it just was too hard. I yeah. think really. Yeah, we can't sustain that much media. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, so I don't even know. We didn't even publish it. It was good though. Um, Caroline did Caroline some did some sonnets. Which she was hardcore into teaching sonnets in January, and so she gave us some good ones. So maybe we'll sprinkle some of those in I'll, as we go. I'll work them in. Don't you worry. <laughs> um, we even renamed the podcast to um, Speaking Of. Mm. Um, because it comes from, if you remember, um, our, our podcast, Three Friends in a Book, is about, we like to refer back to the quote by Hannah Arendt that says, The things of the world become more human for us only when we can discuss them with our fellows. We humanize what is going on in the world and in ourselves only by speaking of it. In the course of speaking of it, we learn to be human. So Janine had the idea to rename our podcast Speaking Of. So we might, we'll keep that in there a little bit. We were going to be speaking of maps, but we're not going to. (laughs) Not today. Instead, we're going to be. Speaking of, today will be different. Today will be different by Maria Simple. I like that. I like the way that works in. It's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we'll keep, we'll throw both of those in there. Um, so yeah, today will be different by Maria Simple. And so she's not the first time. It's not the first time that we've read a book together by her. So way pre-podcast years. So that'd be 2PP. Well, even like... Two years before podcast? Yeah. It was like pre-podcast? Pre-my second child, I think. <gasps> was it really? May, like, oh, right, maybe. Yeah, I think so. And he's sick. How is that possible? I mean, Are we been friends that long? We've we been have. here a long time. We yeah. have. Wowzers, wowzers. Caroline and I have been friends for 14 years, and then you came the next year, 13 years. Oh my God, y'all. That's a beautiful thing. It's a lifetime. <laughs> what did we already say? What, no, we didn't. What was that book called? Where'd you go, Bernadette? Uh, so that's one of the first books that we read. Did, I think I might have seen, are they making that into a movie? I think I saw that. I, think I, I saw haven't. a trailer for it. Yeah, and then this one um, has been optioned by HBO, and Julia Roberts is going to play oh. the main character, which, as we will discuss, is, I is not... an interesting option. Well, you know what? How old is Julia Roberts? Because Eleanor's, she's in her 40s, is she not? Nearing 50. Okay. I mean, that makes... Ex- yes, but does anyone... The ki- Eleanor is a hot mess. To me, Julia Roberts comes off as two together. Yeah. Her public persona, at least before now, not to say she can't. She's a great actress, so she might be able to do it, but it wouldn't be my first. Yeah. Yes, I can't thought. wait for the, the sight of her um, doughy belly that Eleanor worries about in this, <laughs> right? Like, Julia Roberts just does not seem yeah, like no. Eleanor to me. Yeah, no. True. She's two together. Uh, 
That's a really interesting choice. I wonder, is she just jealous of Reese Witherspoon and her friends making the <laughs> other <laughs> HBO? Uh, what is What was it? Big, Big Little, Little Lies. Lies. Yeah, that- and she wasn't invited to be because it was going to be a Big Little Lies too. And um, Meryl Streep, right? Yes, I She's heard She's been this. invited to be a part of it. She's in it. I've She's in the this. second one. She's going to be somebody's mom. Hmm. What I want to know about that is if the writer is, is um, continuing to write or if they're doing it on their own. Right. Um, Matt, I don't know. Let's look that up. We'll talk about to, that later. But I'm not going to guess about that. Okay. Yeah, I have no idea. Because um, Leanne Moriarty, she, you know, she's the other author that we read quite a few of her of her books together pre podcast. She's Big Little Lies. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, well. Yeah. I we all loved Where'd You Go, Bernadette. So when this when today will be different came out, it was an obvious choice. Yep. Um, I think Novel, our local bo- local bookstore, they put it on social media, and I think I screenshotted it and sent it to y'all, and so we should we should check this one out. And we ended up getting it at not that we did not want to buy it from Novel, always always True. want to support Novel, but we happened to get this one used at McKay's just outside of Nashville. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, always, I like to give a shout out to McKay's too because I love that bookstore. It's a big old warehouse. It's huge. I wish we had something like that here. I do too. I do too, yeah. but I, yes, love novel, but also love used books. <laughs> but this book, I've been worried about doing this podcast about this book t- um, in the last few days because this is a book that I did not want to put down, and so I read it really quickly. Yeah. And Because um, it's a book that we actually, you bought it, and you read it, and then you give it to Caroline, and then she gave it to me, so we just passed it around very quickly as we were reading it. Yeah, and it it was such a a quick read that my my memory of specific things did didn't um stick as well as I would have liked. But then as as we've talked about it a little bit in preparation, it's brought back a lot of things that are very funny and anyway. Well, it all I mean the story itself is one day. Right? Yes. I mean it's one day. And so it's it's a whirlwind day. Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. you know, a a day where the char- main character wakes up saying today will be different and um, lists all these ways that it will be different. And yeah. then it proceeds to descend into chaos very quickly. Yeah. Um, so the style itself or the, the, just, you know, the, the plot, everything happened so quickly that I felt the same way. Um, a lot of the detail. And it did go so fast and there's a lot of flashbacks in the book. And so there are some times in the book where it was flying along so fast and then she would jump back to something and I, there were a couple of times I got a little confused. Uh-huh. I got a little turned around. Or she imagines that, or all she kinds imagined, of really yeah. weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Like her husband doing the hand surgery and the glitter falling in it or whatever. Oh, Remember yeah. that? And right. that's all. When I was reading that, I think I even came to you, Janine, and was like, what, what? <laughs> and then, you know, you, you, I think you said to me, that wasn't real. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that makes so much more sense now. There were several times that I did that. I did that too. So just... FYI, a little reminder, we are going to spoil this book like yep. crazy. And so if you haven't read it yet, we've said it's a quick read. So you can go do read it quickly and come on back. Highly recommend. Yeah. It's a great read. If you're looking for something. Spring break. Spring break read. Yeah. 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 If we'll have it, if we'll have it published by now. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Um, well, people have different spring breaks. We're on spring break next week. All right, so where do you guys want to want to start? One one of the things I guess I'll just jump in. One of the things I thought was interesting, you asked me earlier what was the first line of the of the book, and so there's this whole what's it called at the beginning of the book? It's not the epilogue, but it's the epigraph. epigraph. 
And it goes through all these different things about today. Today will be different. I'll be present. Anyone I'm speaking to, I'll look them in the eye. So she goes through all these like really positive things that she's going to do. Like today I won't swear. I won't talk about money. And then the she first... Won't, she'll only wear yoga close to yoga. Yeah. <laughs> and not, yeah. And so it, it says, today will be my best self. The person I'm capable be, of being today will be different. Because the first line of the book says, because the other way wasn't working. The waking up just to get the day over with until it was time for bed. Um, that just really struck me because I feel like that's what I'm often doing. That I'm often not being my best, my best self. And that kind of, kind of, kind of made me a little sad. The first line did. Dude, here at work <laughs> every day, you're pretty awesome. Oh, thanks. Let me man. just say that for the record. I know, but you ever wake up? You just you just wake up and you're just like, okay, I'm gonna I'm doing I'm, I'm gonna do this today. I'm gonna get through it, and then. I'll see you later, bed. I'm looking forward to seeing you later on. <laughs> Sometimes I do look at my bed and want to. I look forward to when I can get back in it. Yeah, I um, there was a New York Times review of the book by Janet Maslin, and she said she described that as a resolve that melts by mid morning. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, it's so true. We always have good intentions, but it it speaks to the overall optimism of the book. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's super. This this main character. Eleanor mm-hmm. is cray cray. <laughs> she is. Mm-hmm. She's um, a hoot. But then also, like in, in some kind, of, an endearing way, even though she's really not a nice person a lot of the time. Well, she um, she is crazy, but she's also very creative because she, you know, worked on that TV show. So she's got. I mean, she is crazy, but mm-hmm. she's also very. I think smart and very funny and super intuitive. She's a good reader of people. Yeah. And it, I think she, and understands herself pretty well, actually. She just can't change it. No, she can't. You know, she can, uh, she kind of owns who she is, uh-huh. even inappropriately sometimes to her own kid, <laughs> I think. But oh, but yeah. then she can't change it. So it speaks to the title and the overall optimism of the book, which is just like, isn't that what you do? We just like, mm-hmm. you do, you have to get up every day and be like, okay, today I'm going <laughs> to be my best self. And then it gets tanked, but then you got to do it again the next day. Yeah. So it starts with that idea and then it ends with that idea. And we don't need to go here yet, but like, I, I loved her relationship with her son yeah. and really Tim enjoyed B. that Timby. And, um, he's got the last lines of the book. Do y'all remember like that was, I, I thought it was just super smart of her. So at the very end of the book, um, she has finally told him about her sister. Yeah. And she says to her son, she says, but they don't like us. And, um, and do you remember what Timmy says? Mm -mm. They don't even know us. He says, they don't even know me. Oh, that's right. Which I thought was really cool and like spoke to that sense of optimism because I was left thinking like maybe that will reconcile. Yeah. Maybe that kid, you know, the optimism mm-hmm. he shows in that or whatever seemed to me to echo the optimism she felt at the beginning of the day. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought that was a cool frame. Yeah. She is really snarky. Yes. Yeah, she is. There were um, some moments in the first 20 pages where I thought, oh, okay, so this that's what this is going to be. It's going to be funny and it, she's going to be snarky and I like snarky, but it's, it's going to, it felt... Um, mean-spirited and and maybe not very deep in its mean-spiritedness yes and then as it went on i think you start to feel her optimism or like there's this well you start to learn more about her Mm -hmm. and you you feel for her and her story about her her sister and her story in a lot of ways um but i think yeah like her everything about 
Sorry, go ahead. No, just her decisions throughout the book, though she is a snarky person and she's not always like the most attentive mother, or, you know, in opposition to all these helicopter parents that are um, she's surrounded by and who she thinks are just so, you know, annoying. She ultimately, in the end, makes a decision to embrace rather than to push her husband aside for his for his choice which is religion is which is a mystery throughout the book yeah you know and it's almost like this uh, the one thing that's okay to make fun of right like if he had chosen if he was at like she thought maybe a sex addicts meeting or something like that you know she could have made her peace with lots of those kinds of things but could you make your peace with with someone returning to the church and and ultimately she does and i think that that shows a depth of her character that is hidden by the snarkiness so often and i think one of the things that caroline told us before we started the podcast was i mean i guess i'm thinking you know eleanor snarkiness is the author's snarkiness she worked on uh, mad about you and arrested development two tv shows that have a lot of relationship snarkiness Mm -hmm. um and so i feel like we really see her the authors like that background coming in well and it makes it in the end it makes the title true Mm -hmm. because she makes the choice at the end of the day Mm -hmm. with him and their whole relationship not their whole relationship a huge part of their relationship had been built on their dislike of the church yeah. and its teachings. I mean, they both found comfort together in kind of being annoyed by the church and its practices and rituals and things like that. So because it was such a huge part of their relationship, it was a big betrayal, mm-hmm. a bigger betrayal than it might be for a different couple where mm-hmm. that wasn't something they talked about regularly. Cause she was stunned. She was like, yeah. Joe, the guy, the atheist, I that married? whole scene yeah. with him at the singing at the thing is such a great scene. Yeah. And her watching it happen was, be- I thought it was a beautiful scene, but yeah. So it was this huge betrayal, right? Because it's not something that she's a part of at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she'd been such a part of the opposite of that with him that, yeah, she's definitely redeemed mm-hmm. in that choice. I agree. I'd be interested to see a part two of... Because he not, it wasn't just that he found church. Like, he was like super hardcore Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like just, you know, I'm going to church now. I mean, he was a changed person. So it'd be interesting to see, like, weeks from now, what it looks like in their relationship. Mm-hmm. If it... <laughs> What that eventually evolved. And I wish I I should have gone back and look at looked at like exactly what he says to her when he's explaining it. I kind of only vaguely remember what how he articulates why he needs it or what's attractive about it or how he Mm -hmm. was able to get there. Do do y'all remember? Well, they were at that. He was becoming pretty frustrated with her and her snarkiness and her meanness. Like the, he was the he's the um, athletic tra- or not the athletic trainer. He's a doctor for the Seattle Seahawks. Hand, and he's he, a hand surgeon. He yeah. loved it, loved it, and wanted her to be a part of it and talked her into because he was a big part of the game, like a big part of the team, like helping the people get back on the field. Like he felt like it meant something to him. Like this was a part of who he he was, and he wanted her to understand what it meant to him. And they came to one football. She he convinced her to come to one football game, and. She just acted like 
a jerk to him. Mm-hmm. And he finally was like, fine, if you don't want to be here, just leave. And she left. Like, he couldn't understand how she didn't see what this meant to him. And he was so frustrated. And he went into one of the rooms and the chaplain was in there. And so that was kind of the path to him. Mm-hmm. I guess coming to coming to God, coming mm-hmm. to to Jesus was that whole scene. But he was pretty frustrated with her and the distance. And I think even she talked about the distance between the two of them after they moved to Seattle, mm-hmm. didn't she? Well, they had a deal, right, that they were going to move back to New York. That she mm-hmm. would give him a certain amount of time, like ten years. Mm-hmm. But it was the chaplain in the room that, and I think he even talked about when he was going through all the thoughts about her and. That like a almost like a something that was missing inside of him too, and I guess he met the chaplain, and the chaplain was like, "It's you're missing God, and God is what filled filled that void." It's his his way of making the days different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they only can be different if you make a different choice. Right. Right. So. Yes, making the choice to go to yoga is dependent upon more than just saying I'm going to go to yoga in the morning. Yes. Like there there's a lot of there there are many things in between th- those two things happening. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the um another one of the reviews that I read said that something like Maria Semple writes better about white people problems than anyone else. And in a way, I, th- I think that's kind of a funny way to look at this, like, cause she's frustrated by the school that her son goes to and a very, very private elite school. Right. And, um, that she hasn't managed to get her, her book finished again, her graphic memoir, which she's mm-hmm. supposed to be writing. And sh- then she realizes that, her editor now works in a cheese shop, you know, so, so all of these problems that are, are big, not, not to say that they're not real problems. Um, it's just contextually or, or maybe comparatively. Yeah. Her life is just funny. mm -hmm. She wakes up, takes her kid to school. She meets her, her like own poet she's got where she memorizes poetry for this guy and they eat lunch. Is it once a week, a couple of times a week? Yeah, so that's like her decision. That's how she's trying to make her day different, right? Like, I'm going to go learn poetry. I'm going to do this very intentional thing, and I'm going to go learn poetry as a way of, like, making myself a better person. And it doesn't really work, right? Like, it's it kind of works. kind of works. But also I think, too, she was, I think she was feeling something with that because she was a creative. I mean, she worked on that TV show, and then they moved to Seattle, and she kind of had a kid, and so she kind of became, like, like her identity was now a mom, and I feel like that was a way for her to like still kind of be intellectual and to mm-hmm. have somebody to make her think, because she was missing that part of her her life. Yeah, maybe maybe that is supposed to be very much a connection to she had found that as he had found church and and it's things that they do separately, but it's okay. They yeah. respect each other's wishes to do them or something. So, you know, there's that whole um, graphic memoir, like the few pages of the graphic novel right in the middle. You guys remember that? I enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah. I did too. A lot. Um, uh, the Flood Sisters. Yeah. And about she and her sister, right? Mm-hmm. And when they're young and they're in her, their parent, their mom is a um, an actress. Actress. Actress, yeah. She dies of cancer. Mm-hmm. When they were young. And then when they were young. Mm-hmm. And then the dad's just a mess. He's a mm-hmm. uh, a gambling gambler, addict. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and they moved to Colorado. So it's funny, like throughout the first part of the book, we don't really, we don't know she has a sister. And even, how do we find out that she had a sister? I I can't remember. I think it may be through this, the graphic memoir. Might be the first mention of it. Is it? Is that before or after she goes to have lunch with the guy and he thinking. asks about the sister? He does. And, Timby, and, Timby and Timby's was like, like, she doesn't have a sister. Yeah, that's what it was. So it's like halfway through the book that they're eating lunch with that guy that she used to work with. Um, and he asked about Ivy and, and Timmy was like, what? She have a sister. And there may have been some allusions to it before because I, I feel like when that came out, I was like, oh, like I'd, I had kind of started to figure out her references to her childhood tragedy or something. Yeah. But then after that, I feel like it brings it back into her conscience. So we get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We get it from her then. Yeah. Um, and that just, her relationship with her sister is just gut-wrenching. The whole, that whole thing is just gut-wrenching. The sister marries a... Very wealthy... New Orleans. And I, y'all, I knew people like that in college, kind of, at Ole Miss. We had a bunch of guys, fraternity dudes from... New Orleans, who just, I mean, just you saw the wealth and the the expectations for them were to marry somebody prominent and to go home to New Orleans and do whatever. Southern socialites. But he's something else, though. I mean, he is, I think, like, that times 1,000. Bucky is his is his name. Well, yeah. Because he, he's a little bit of a sociopath. Yeah, he's evil. Yeah. I think he's straight up evil. Because Ivy, her sister, she's, was she a model? Yeah. Wasn't she? Am I making mm, that up? I don't remember that. Me either. <laughs> or maybe she looked like a model. She was tall. Very delicate. delicate. Right. Fair. Yeah. And, Blonde. Yeah. And he's just super controlling of, of her. Well, and ultimately uses, when she decides, okay, I'm going to escape, ultimately uses the fact that they have a child. Against her. Yeah. To m- keep her trapped. Which, on the one hand, I find it a little bit frustrating that Eleanor isn't more understanding of that. You know, I was, because it seems like the sister's in a horrible situation, what she's supposed to do. You know, it's not like, at some points, the sister has made the choice for the husband over Eleanor. Yeah. But it seems like in the end, Ivy has made the choice, okay, I'm getting out of here. And tries to escape, and, and he just comes with her and that that scene like they because Eleanor and Ivy had been talking about I think it was, it was after the dad died right their dad died and they were at the at the funeral and I think all this stuff had come out about Bucky and about about their relationship and then she was on the phone with her and was like get out of there I'll pay for you to get a plane ticket come bring your kid and then she's at the airport waiting for them and she thinks it's going to be her sister and her nephew and off the plane comes the the two of them but also Bucky and what it, we talked about this we can't remember what he said to her but he was like he walks up and says something like it's me not you yeah. and they turn around and, and go get back, back and get on the right plane. on a plane and go home so like, he flew all the way with her just to say that to to um, Eleanor um, and so remember when she leaves um, where are they and she leaves is it at their engagement party or wedding or something she leaves ice cream out mm-hmm. the engagement and it party. melts and he makes her he makes the sister Ivy call Eleanor 
on the phone and he's like sitting right there mm-hmm. beside her. And she had to write a letter. She of had to apology. write him a letter of apology. Right. And it was because the newspaper had been there to take a photo of the engagement yes, party and in in the perfect tableau of the beautiful house and flowers and food and all of that there's some janky ice cream. Ice melted cream. ice cream yeah um, and Ooh, it's in a that's, carton that's know. just so creepy uh, that mm-hmm. just bothered me so much yeah. i mean just the that you can he's just like a puppet master mm-hmm. so i think it just really you were saying i don't think you finished what you're saying about Eleanor being more understanding of that. And I agree. It, it helps me better understand Eleanor's crazy. Some of her crazy because like if you know the per so they were so close. These sisters were because of their terrible childhood. So the sister that you're so close to that you've taken care of that she practically raised. She raised. Yeah. To know that she is being preyed upon by a monster and to not be able to do anything mm-hmm. must make one crazy. Yeah. I mean, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. she knew her sister was miserable. Like she was, she her health was terrible. She's lost a bunch of weight. Her, and- they died. Didn't he make her dye her hair? I think at one point, like, made her change her look. She was taking pills. Yeah, to pills. Kn- to know that. He this- was giving her the pills yeah. to keep her under his control yeah to know that this kid that you again you basically raised and took care of like she what was it they were like 12 and 8 or something like that and she was her dad left bailed out on like this gambling rage for like two weeks and she was really sick i mean her sister was sick and she had to go to school and then yeah how protective she felt of her and to know that there was nothing she could do to help her get out of that situation they had nothing to eat Mm -hmm. yeah like, that would drive me crazy knowing that she was married to a person like that. And there was nothing that I could do about that. Yeah. And she tried. It was heartbreaking, I thought. But then I thought at the end, okay, maybe Timby's optimism will convince Eleanor to get try to get back in touch. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe. But did they, well, did they lose touch just because of, of Eleanor? But I feel like it was also Bucky, too. Like, Ivy and Bucky, like, Bucky was so controlling of her that he was like, you're done. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but I hate him. I hated Bucky. He's was, he was he was a funny character in the beginning because he was what he was friends with one of the of the editors in like um, when Eleanor lived in New York and and worked on that TV show. One of the editors it was like his roommate from college. They got a Vanderbilt? it was her assistant. It yeah. Was, so the the assistant did they go to Vanderbilt? Um, I feel like they mentioned some yeah, Southern school. Yeah. Yes, I think that is true. Um. And he was just a character that was like almost out of a book, out of a movie that like there's no way that this person could exist. What was it? They made a bet about it. Remember he was coming to town. Mm-hmm. Is that what you were getting ready to say, Jakes? Mm-mm. I wasn't there yet. Um, and they would like call him and put him on speakerphone and they would all listen to right. him. So he was like this somebody they kind of snarked at and made fun of. And then he came to town and took her sister home with him. Yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Okay, so the guy she has lunch with is someone she used to work with, right? And he was like a lowly intern. Yes. And and she, what has happened now is that she has become someone who did not finish her her book, and he is an artist, super famous artist, installing an art um, exhibit in an outdoor park. 
and she just keeps pawning her kid off. <laughs> like, here, hold my kid. Or, and like, then, babysit my kid, basically, while she runs to well, crazy she, places. Well, because, but at that point, like, the right before that lunch, she found out that her husband had taken a week off work. And she didn't know it. And he would, like, get up and pretend like he was going to work. Um, and she, she thought he was having this affair. And so she saw some boat he thought he might be on. And so he was, she went to that boat. Because the telescope, there was a telescope in his office. And it was pointed, and it was at, the pointed at that. <laughs> but she left her, not only did she leave her kid, but she had her, also had her dog. Yo-Yo, wasn't his name? She, well, like, she ties it up. She ties it up. Mm-hmm. And went to the boat and then went to Costco. <laughs> um, that was funny. All this stuff. Same. She's a nut, man. And finds her poet working at Costco. Convinces him to quit. He, he comes storming out and rips off his, his, uh, little white jacket or whatever oh, yeah. he was a, sa- a, a sample person at and costco then the costco guys like i wouldn't do that if i were you they'll take two hundred dollars out of your paycheck <laughs> so that they get his his like then she convinces him to get his jacket back out of the dumpster because he has a kid at home who he needs to have money for you know a wife and a kid yeah. who are um expecting them to support him them anyhow what was room. he handing out samples of something disgusting like some kind fish? of weird fish. It yeah. was it was a fish, yeah. He was a, he's a sample dude at Costco. Um, that was funny. Was, like if you, like I'm thinking about, it, like if you cut out like the sister stuff and the flashback stuff, and you just like went through her day, it was nuts, mm-hmm. absolutely nuts. Because then she comes and falls and bonks her head, and then she. The funny thing to me, like she didn't know what her husband was doing. Like she thought he was a sex addict. You know, she thought he was having an affair. Thought he had an affair, and she brings her son along for the ride. Well, that's why she has to pawn him off on the guy because you can't very well take your kid, well, you know, to the boat but, where he's probably having sex with somebody. She but, thinks. Well, but then they get back home, and she still doesn't know where he is. Yeah, and she's bumped her head. She's like, "Get in the car." <gasps> Well, and she she doesn't want to have to bring her kid, right? Because remember, the kid's at school, and he calls and he ha- says, "I have a, a stomach ache." Yes. And she's like, "Yeah, he always has a stomach ache. Tell him he's fine." Yeah. You know, she doesn't want to come pick him up, and they kind of make her come pick up her kid who has a stomach yeah. ache. Did we find out at the end what was causing his stomach aches? Well, the pediatrician talks to him and says, gets him to admit that it's a kid. he was being made fun of. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And maybe because he was wearing makeup. He likes to wear makeup. To school yeah. or whatever. And so the pediatrician tells the mom he thinks it's because of that. I don't know. You know. Mm-hmm. And right. that was that was kind of sad. Um, that was kind of a, a realization for her too was like the pediatrician totally guilt tripped her. And like looked at her and was like, all you got to do is talk to him. Like don't blow him off. Just be like, hey, let's get down to this. Um, I feel like she, well, pediatrician hardcore judged her. That's a way, like going back to what you were saying about waking up and just getting through the day. Yeah. Like I, you know, I I could relate to that. She talked when she first drops the kid off at school. Do you remember? She talked, she says something about, I just reread this in a, in a review I was looking at and I had forgotten, but I remember laughing out loud. She she talks about like the moment when your kid gets out of the car to go to school <laughs> and you realize you've got uninterrupted hours to do whatever you want and something about like cueing the getaway music yeah. or something like that. <laughs> right. And I was like, yes, my head. Sometimes I think that, you know, and then but then how, you know, um, how much you miss if you're constantly like looking forward to the next Thanks moment that, yeah. you have by yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And one of the things that she that was on her list of things to do at the very beginning was to play a board game with him. 
It was. She said, today I'll play oh, a board game with Timby. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Did they ever play one? No. No. He just went they on. They played a different kind of game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but even so, then, but they did talk, right? Because then, so. Like, the, through that whole, when she, w- when he, they were in the car with Alonzo. Remember Alonzo was in the car, too? Mm-hmm. And they were all trying to figure out where the heck Joe was. Um, they had a lot of interesting conversations. And Timby was a very, you know, for a 10-year-old, I guess, astute kid dealing with, like, a crazy mom. Well, and and I think it's kind of an example of, okay, so we have a mom in this book who is not perfect. Oh, yeah. She's kind of, she is sometimes bad at Mm -hmm. being a mom, and she's sometimes not bad at being a mom. She's not evil, and she is not an angel. And so I kind of appreciate that, that there's a character that gets to be, right? And in terms of like, I think she thinks of herself as a really honest person, and so um, she decides that Timby's old enough to tell him about the show that she used to work on. What was it called? Looper Wash. Looper Wash. And and he says, wow, that sounds kind of mean. And she's like, oh, well, you'll find out when you grow up, um, mean is funny. You know? <laughs> you know, and so maybe that wasn't the best conversation, most honest conversation to have with him. But it's when she tells him about her sister that there's that there's an opening between them or yeah. or that something feels natural and real as opposed to I am acting like a mom and I'm just a, I'm being a mom. Yeah. Yes. All right. So that is. I don't know. I think that might be what, all I have what, to say. Is that everything we want to talk about with today will be different. So today will be different, y'all. Tomorrow when I wake up, I'm going to say today will be different. I'm going to hire a poet. To teach me about poetry. I'm going to... What are you going to do? Wear socks that don't fall down. <laughs> like, that would be how I would want to make my day different. I Actually, I just can't wait for it to be warm so we don't have to wear socks anymore. What oh. would you guys do? When you wake up in the morning and you say, today will be different. I'm going to try not to yell at my kid in the morning before we get dressed. There are several mornings where they're they're not great, and I have to apologize in the car on the way to school. <laughs> That's what I had to do this morning. I was like, Anna Claire, I am sorry, but sometimes you push me into the red zone, <laughs> and I apologized. And she also apologized. Usually, that's how that ends. That's she, good. And mm-hmm. we we do sometimes. It's kind of funny. Like sometimes with not sometimes with Timby because I only read this once. You know, sometimes our kids are just like, you know, it's all right, mom. I get it. And she kind of said that to me this morning. She's like, it's all right. I get it. I can be, she didn't say I can be, I can be trouble sometimes, but she said something in that, in that light of how she can be sometimes be difficult. And that's frustrating. What does Timby say at that one point? Doesn't he say something like, it's okay, mom, move on. Yeah. yeah, he says, good job. She she says, I did something today that was kind of, that was bad and foolish or something. And yeah. he says, um, Good job, mom. Now move on. Yeah. Something like that. It is. I mean, I, I think it is to have those honest conversations with your kids to be able to admit, you know, I made a mistake. But even more than that, to like to explain why it was hard for you, why that yeah. moment was hard for you, and why you made the choice you made is, you know, I just think um, powerful for them to carry into their adult lives. Yeah. To be able to talk about it and give words to it to me is because it doesn't go away you can't stop yeah. you're human but if you can give words to it mm-hmm. and own it and understand it then you can then you know 
That's yeah. good. You could, yeah, what d- won't control you, yeah. you know. But so that's good. I'll try that tomorrow. But <laughs> and I was thinking, and if I can't, I if it if it if I wake up and I say that, and then fifteen minutes later she's filled the sink with water and is painting on the mirror with a toothbrush. <laughs> try again the next day. Try again the next day, <laughs> and I'll just apologize. That's what later. it's all about. Um, I don't know what mine would be. One of the things that I would like to do, and it's not always a daily thing, but it's about to be like going into baseball season, is not dreading, mm-hmm. like not dreading the games. Because it, it really will, starting this weekend, though, I'll have one or two games every single day till May, the end of May, and then on into June, mostly. Oh my so I really want to be to a place where I don't dread it. Where I can enjoy it, where I can just go and enjoy the boys playing and not see it as a, an imposition or. Well, I think you, you, you do. Know what I mean? You do enjoy going and you join to see the boys playing, but it's so long. It's long and, and <gasps> just like last night, it was so cold <laughs> outside. But I really did, didn't com- try not to complain about it. And I'm really, that's my goal is just to like, because sometimes I have a tendency to, sh- I think, to show in front of them. Mm-hmm. How I feel about it, yeah. which is which I often feel guilty about because it's something they love yeah. to do, and so I want to try to be a little bit better about that. That would be my big. Today I'm going to be different. I'm going to be excited about going <laughs> to the game. All right, I'll check in with you about that. Okay, <laughs> one week into it, when you've been to twelve games in five days, <laughs> you are barometer, Holly. Are our thermometer of how things are going and jake's we're gonna check on your songs <laughs> uh, i'm also gonna try and think of something no the, i i often have a list a sisyphus like list of things you know today as i roll the boulder i'm going to be happier great about that. great illusion yeah that is good to what this book is all about yeah i read it it I, really I is it, like that that it really is um one of the things she's talking about, like, you do it all again tomorrow, so might as well try to do a little bit better. <laughs> and, like, blow dry my hair and do it, you know, tomorrow instead of just, you know, ponytail or whatever. Yeah. Oh. You know, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. It's like, the simple that's what, things. Yeah. yeah it yeah. really is. It's the simple things. We can't try to push every large boulder every day, but we can do some small ones. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. All right. Well, let's wrap up then okay. with um, what what else are we doing? Like, what else are you guys into right now? So, since I read this book, I read Manhattan Beach, which I'd been wanting to read for a while, mm-hmm. and I liked it. Would you recommend it? I would recommend it for sure. It's, it's very different. Very, very different from... Um, Oh, help me out, Caroline. Who wrote Manhattan? Jennifer Egan wrote Manhattan Beach, and she wrote... um, Sorry, I'm not any help. She wrote a book... We've read... That has had... Jennifer Egan. We just... I mean, we... Have we read that? Have we read? Yeah, I think we have. Something by her? A Visit from the Goon Squad. A Visit from the Goon Squad. So, I have that. I have not read it, though. Okay, so. so that's what you went into? Hang on. Since I, since, I, since I read this book, 
I read Manhattan Beach mm-hmm. by Jennifer Egan. I read years ago and loved A Visit from the Goon Squad, which in in a similar, like, I couldn't put that one down and wanted to keep reading. Um, and uh. it has a very weird sense of time and who and the um, narrator keeps shifting and all these things keep happening in it, although it's pretty short. And, like, one whole chapter is a PowerPoint. Um, yeah. PowerPoint presentation? Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. And this is so different from that, but it still does mess with time. And it it's one of those books where the – the images that it evokes and everything that's going on in it, like you feel very much in that place. It changed my mood and, and that sort of thing. Okay. Ooh, that's um, a good book. Yeah. All right. I might, um, I might have to grab that. I picked up, um, I haven't read that much. I had, I was out for like a week with the flu. Um, and like I, I finished today will be different. And then I got the flu and I picked up, um, Red Sparrow. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, it's gonna be it's out actually. Jennifer Lawrence's new movie, um, it's I think it came out last week. Yeah, because you saw what's you and Colbert. Mm-hmm. I went back and watched that. And that was hilarious. Um, so I've been reading Red Sparrow, which I have thoroughly enjoyed because in my real job I'm a history teacher, and this year we have talked about Russia a ton, um, in my class. But not only that, but I'm also a, a political junkie, and so I keep up with all the things that have been going on with. Um, America and Russia and Putin's in a lot Um, because the guy who wrote the book I can't think of his name right now was actually he worked for I think the CIA or the NSC one like he was a handler of spies and so a lot of what is in it is very historically accurate and it just makes me think about like what is happening right now and how just the tension between the two countries and I really enjoyed it and plus the movie's out and I like Jennifer Lawrence because you guys remember my fun story about Jennifer Lawrence that I babysat yes, her? Yes, yes. In Kentucky? In Kentucky. I mean, like indirectly babysat her. She lived next door to a family that I would babysit for a lot. Um, and so I I think she was probably like six or seven. I, mean, I had no idea. That's whatever. Um, so that's what I I did. Have I watched anything? You've been watching a lot of Queer Eye. Oh, I did watch Queer Eye. And I enjoyed that. That made me laugh. And it made me cry a lot. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it kind of made me want to nominate myself for a makeover show. <laughs> Just a smidge. Oh, my gosh. I would watch like that somebody show. Somebody do it. She, like, we should nominate her for No, I don't want to something. do it. I could do what I don't. She be such a hard person I just want, for them. That, that, I just want somebody to shop for me. I hate shopping. So I would love for somebody to like think, okay, this is this is your style. And go buy. See, but that's not what they do. They don't say, this is your style. This is the style that you enjoy. They, they change your style. Right. Yeah. But they would, like, work with me on that. No, they don't. <laughs> they they th- come in and throw your stuff away. They will put you in some would fancy they throw, stuff, too, with your physique. Would they throw all my vest away? Undoubtedly. I thought about that. I was like, if they came into my closet and saw my closet of, literally, here are my five corduroy pants. Here are my pullovers. Here are my vest. They would be like, what? All what of is that happening? must go. <laughs> yeah, there would be this whole scene where you try to like hold on to a vest and and they like rip it from your hands and give you a talk to like, she's not going to take this seriously. We're going to leave and she's going to be in vest. Oh there used God. to be a TLC show 
mm-hmm. a long with, time um, ago. Do you remember what I'm talking Trini about? With Trini and Susanna? The, yes. So there was, that, was the British one. And um, it was, that's not, exactly not what, yes. And, the, mm-hmm. and people did act like that. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was very entertaining. I've got to keep my tie-dye or I've got to keep yes. my jorts. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to start well, researching listen, a show for you to be my on. My vest are stylish in my outdoor life that I like to try to lead. I don't know what I'm saying. Like when you go hiking and stuff. You wore a vest. You, you wore but a vest also, to, to marry Laura. Also, when what? you officiated Laura's wedding, you wore a vest. I did wear a vest. They would disapprove of that. Oh, I'm not God. saying I disapprove of that. I think you be you, girl. But okay. absolutely. Well, Caroline, Ain't what, do you, wrong with what it. have you been doing? Well, what have you read? I don't know, but here's what I'm gonna do. Gonna give us a sign. Well, so I just picked <laughs> up Fates and Fates and Furies. Mm-hmm. Um. I, it's one that had been on my list that I wanted to read. Is that Russo? Did y'all so, say that? No. That, that oh. is um, Lauren Groff. I just okay. looked, looked up her name. I just remember that when I read that, it was because it was a book that Obama said he had read. Oh, like, is oh, if it? Obama read it, I'm going to read well, it. Well, I'm only, I'm probably only 20 pages in, but the right now the main dad's character name is Gwen, and they have a baby at the beginning, and they named the baby Lancelot, so <laughs> I'm already a fan of the book. We'll see how it goes. Is there a Green Knight? Um, not yet, but who knows? There, there could be. Is there a lady in a tower? She, she did plant when she names him Lancelot. She there. says the mom, whose name I can't remember, says all of the all of her sons will be Arthurian, huh. and and that it's a joke. Like when when she does it. So I'm interested to like Janine's kids are I'm, named after Lonesome Dove, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. exactly. Just, Although uh, I will say, just another connection to this book. Maggie, I think Greg would say it was a premonition. So she's named after Maggie and Lonesome Dove. But this book makes reference to the Hernandez brothers who wrote the graphic novel Love and Rockets. One of the characters is Maggie in that. And I think Greg loves Love and Rockets maybe more than Lonesome Dove. Oh, I've never wow. asked him. So anyhow. Just That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Any of that, actually. Sorry, go ahead. Carol. That's all. So I'm going to read on that book, I think. And then I also brought home The Hate You Give because y'all have read that and I oh, haven't read that, that yet. that is fantastic. And I'm doing next year in my um, Minority Voices in America class, I just wanted to <coughs> read that and think about whether it had a place in yeah. that class or a summer reading maybe for kids who are going to, I don't know. Anyway, so I have it's that on my bedside book. table and I knew both of you had said that and a lot of the girls around here who've read it mm-hmm. have said, I'm just coming, you need to read it or whatever, whatever. So I have that. And then the it's other thing I really want too. to do is pick a show, some show, I don't know what, and watch a show over spring break, like a Netflix show. What are you or gonna a, pick? I don't know. I mean, I haven't watched, what's the one about Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth? The Queen. The, the Queen. The Crown. The Crown. I haven't watched that yet, and a lot of people have said, recommended that. Did you watch the watch. second season? I did. Janine? I watched the first season. I have not watched the second. Second but, season's better. But what are your recommendations other than that? Um, I, don't, I don't know that I would start there for you. Okay. Like, I think you should do Stranger Things before you do, you do? The Crown. So uh, several people had recommended Stranger Things, but then I feel like, I don't know why I've been resistant to watch it. I don't know why. So maybe I will. I mean, you know me pretty well. So I feel like if you think I would like it, I probably I would. I think you would like it. Um, more, I don't know. Maybe even more important than whether or not you would like it. I think with all of the literature that you teach, that Stranger Things it has been such a phenomenon that it 
that it is in the canon now of the monster. Uh, you okay, know, yeah. and I, I feel like. Oh yeah, for sure. What's interesting is I know I really know nothing about it, like the show. Even mm-hmm. though I've had people talk to me about it, I don't really have a sense of what it is. So maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that one. Oh, I watched. Um, that's what I, I was trying to think. I just finished up, but it's it's over. Um, Broad Church that was on Netflix. There's three seasons and it's like a murder mystery in Britain, and it was really good. Okay. All right, so that's what we've been doing, y'all. Okay. I want to mention one other. It's all Stranger Things, you think? I do. Instead of The Crown. The Crown's good. I need to go. I need to watch the second season. It's um. It's great. It's beautiful. It's very well done. Um, I don't know why I've been resistant to the second season. It's slow. I think that's why I wanted something. I've been wanting things that are faster than that. So, Caroline, when you said you were going to read The Hate You Give, there's this new book that's coming out or has just come out. It's a March young adult release that's been all over the place called Children of Blood and Bone. And it is supposed to be fantastic and might also be something you consider for your class next year for oh, some cool. reading or something. All yeah. right, you guys. Well, thank you for listening. Um, we we don't know what we're going to read next. So we'll will we post it somewhere when we decide or are we just going to... We're just, I just do it. Okay. Because we don't really keep up with our social media. Maybe that's what it, my, my, today will be different. I will keep up with my social media for three friends in a book. Or not. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So, okay. yeah. So, we've got a few things that we might check out. So, just check back in and we'll throw one at you. Thanks for listening. Shout out Thanks Jesse Campbell. Oh, hey, friend Jesse. of the pod, Jesse Campbell.